0: Today we honor the 1,984th anniversary of the Catholic priesthood. About 33 years after Christ's life, Last Supper, this was the moment he gathered his disciples together, and he did two things. At the same time, he instituted his perpetual presence through the Holy Eucharist, this is my body, and he instituted the priesthood with the same words, Do this in memory of me. So I thought in honor, this is my, not only, so 1984th anniversary, but it's my first anniversary as a priest to be able to celebrate this. So I thought I'd just talk about a few things. First, how I came to appreciate the priesthood in my own life, um, growing up before my conversion, the indispensability of the priesthood, and the role of the priest. Because I think all three are somewhat unclear in our times. You know, Growing up, everyone always asked me, when did I want to be a priest? And it's always the same answer. It was never. Growing up, I never wanted to be a priest. I was never attracted to the priesthood. And I always, from the time I was the youngest, I thought I'd be married. That was my only goal in life. Well, I had other goals, but that was the means through which I was going to do everything else I was going to do. And I had been dating a girl for about three years by the time I was in college, and we had planned on getting married. So priesthood, priesthood was never even an option in my mind. But neither was I really a practicing Catholic. I didn't. I went to church somewhat, but I didn't really live the faith much more than that. But everything changed when I was in college. A man told me about Padre Pio. He told me there was this monk, this Catholic priest who was a monk in Italy, who had the five wounds of Christ, for 50 years lost over a pint of blood every day. He could read people's souls when they'd come to him confession. He could heal people of, uh, of maladies that were incurable. He would often show up to Mass with bruises and cuts and blood on his face because he was actually physically assaulted by the devil during many nights so much so that they had to put him in his own room in a corner because all the other monks were afraid to be around him at nighttime. When he would celebrate Mass, he could actually, it was the only time he ever took off his gloves, and it was when he celebrated Mass, he had the five wounds the stigmatis, the holes in your hands, feet, um, and side. So he always had them covered up, but at Mass he'd take his gloves off. And at that time, blood would be pouring out of his wounds. And he said he actually participated in the passion of Christ that he was offering. So he could see Christ on the cross as he was offering the Mass. And he could see the Eucharist when it actually became the body of Christ in Mass. So what changed for me is it was the first time I was ever re- really confronted with the reality of our faith. Everything that we take so much as just we, this is our faith, this is what we believe. It was the first time that I had to actually ask myself, is this true? Number one, does this actually mean God exists? Number two, does this mean that Jesus Christ is God? And number three, if both of those are true, then Jesus Christ is truly present in the Catholic Church, and this is the true faith. So it made me start really looking into what it is that we actually believe as Catholics. And I was very surprised at how far I was away from actually living our faith. Padre Pio, three fundamental, four fundamental things he taught me as a priest. First was the Blessed Virgin Mary. He says, almost impossible for a soul to get to heaven without the intercession of the Blessed Virgin. He used to call the we- the rosary his weapon. Every night before he went to sleep, he'd ask for his weapon and they'd give him the rosary. He'd sleep with it in his hand, praying every single night. He said, Some people are so foolish that they think they can go through life without the help of the Blessed Mother. Love, Mary, and pray the rosary every day. For her rosary is the weapon against all the evils of the world today. All graces given by God pass through the Blessed Virgin. This is one of the things. So as someone was telling me all these things, I was waiting for them to say, Padre Pio lived in the 12th century or in the 9th century. You know, some other time where it was just another story passed down that we had to believe. No, he died in 1968. There's videos of him. There's doctors. He was the most studied man in the 20th century, even though many people don't know about him. More doctors studied him as an individual than anybody else. And his body to this day is still incorrupt, so you can still see him in Italy. He taught me about the Eucharist. For so many, so many years of my life, I'd go to the church, I'd receive the Eucharist, and I'd just walk out. I had no idea what was really happening there. His masses used to take three hours long. So anyone wants to complain, I take an hour and 15 minutes sometimes, and people get, start rolling their eyes. Three hours long. And it's usually because when he was offering, when he would see Christ crucified, he would just freeze. For so long, just contemplating him, when he'd see the the bread changing into the body of Christ, he would stay transfixed on it for for so long. So, so many people were coming to his masses that they had to move it to 2 a.m. in the morning to go to his mass. You had to show up at 2 a.m. and it was still overflowing. He said it would be easier for the world to exist without the sun than without the Holy Mass. Then he talked about hell. A priest once came to him and told him that he didn't believe that a loving God would ever allow anyone to go to hell. Padre Pio, he was a very court to the point man, and what he said was, well, you'll believe in hell when you get there. And it was actually those words of his that were the biggest conversion in me. Because as I was learning about Padre Pio's life and all these realities of our faith, Little by little, I started to see how much of my life was not according to God's will. How much of my life I was living no different than pagans around me. All my friends were atheists, and we are the same. And lastly, his confessionals. He was in the confessional up to 18 hours a day, every day. His average confession lasted two minutes long, and the waiting line to get in to see him was two weeks. Pilgrims came from all over the world just to hear, have him hear their confession. He said it was, it, going to confession was more powerful than undergoing an exorcism because the devil can only attack our bodies, but sin attacks our soul. So he would always say, go to frequent confession. So the more I prayed though, after this is what a priest does. A priest reveals the eternal realities to us. It confronts us with the truth of heaven versus the truth of the world, and then we're left to choose which one are we going to follow. Padre Pio was the first one to ever do that for me. He opened up my eyes to the realities of our faith that for so long I took for granted. And I came to a crossroads in my life, and I had to ask am I living for God or am I living for myself? Am I living for eternity or am I living for this world? And so I started to do two things. I started praying the rosary every day, and I started fasting. And little by little, the more time I spent with Christ in the Holy Eucharist, like I told you, I never wanted to be a priest. It was never part of my plans. But the more I spent time with Christ, the more I came to see that His plans for my life were different than my plans for my own life. And that's the cross. That's what it means to, in, to come to the cross, it's when my plans horizontally intersect with God's vertical plans. And we have the choice to follow our own way or take up our cross and follow after Christ. That was the hardest decision I've ever had to make in my life and I've never been happier than I ever could have imagined in any other life. But it's not easy at the beginning. But without Padre Pio, without his example as a priest, reminded me of the truth of heaven, of hell, of God's love, Christ's sacrifice, and the reality of the Blessed Virgin Mary, the Eucharist, and confession. I would never be who I am. And that's what priests are meant to do. Priests are supposed to reveal to us the realities of the sacred mysteries of our faith. So, but then, little by little, I came to understand the importance of the priests, as I did more studies there was one moment I, I remember very especially. It was the first time I never forgot it to this day of when I understood just how important the influence of a priest is. I was looking at an, an alleged apparition of our Blessed Virgin Mary because um, I really started getting interested in Mary after Padre Pio. And Mary said something one time to a seer that I, I couldn't understand. She said, Many priests many bishops and many cardinals are on the road to perdition and they're taking many souls with them. And each day the Eucharist is given less and less importance in the life of the church. I couldn't believe that. That's, what I couldn't understand is if a priest fell, why would the laity have to suffer for it? Why should we have to suffer if the priest above us doesn't live up to his calling? Um, This is exactly what happens throughout scriptures over and over again. God says in Hosea, For with you is my contention, O priest. Because of you, my people are dying for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge yourself. And since you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. And just as Jesus reminded Peter on this very night that we celebrate... The devil will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. That's the consequence. It's the same thing with parents. It's unfair that children are so dependent on their parents that if their parents fail to give them the nurture that they need, the guidance that they need, the protection that they need, the children suffer the consequences. If a father does not guide his children to say there are certain things that you, if you do in your life it's going to get you on a really bad path and you can't get out of it. If a father doesn't protect his children from all the evils in the world, what happens? They just go out and they fall right into it. This is, the link, this is why authority is so important. If parents do not protect their children, their children pay the sacrifice. And if priests do not educate their people, they do not point them to God, if they do not instruct them, the laity pay the sacrifice too. I think God was planting a seed in my heart at that time for me to remember many years later. Lastly, the priesthood is the foundation of the Catholic faith. And this is something we have forgotten in our times. Because we are in a Protestant nation. And so we are all influenced. I have... Protestants in my family, brothers. I had best friends who were Protestants. And that, but the Protestant mentality has seeped into our own understanding of our faith. And what is the essence of Protestantism? Two words. Priestless Christianity. Protestantism is priestless Christianity. Jesus Christ without the priesthood. Father Martin Luther was a priest who lost faith in his own priesthood. Father John Hardin, one of the great Catholic priests of the 20th centuries, a servant of God, soon to be beatified, praise God. He said he died in 2000. He was the main spiritual director and leader and catechist of the our ladies of, of Mother, St. Mother Teresa's order, the Missionaries of Charity. And this is what he said about the breakdown of the Catholic Church in our times. He said, I believe the bedrock to the massive, and I don't hesitate calling it, the demonic confusion in the Catholic Church today is doubt or even denial about the necessity of the Catholic priesthood as instituted by Jesus Christ. There is no Catholic Church without the Catholic priesthood. Something we should keep in mind that the United States is going through its greatest crisis in the 20th century of loss of priests than perhaps in the history of the church. There were 58,000 priests in our country in 1960s. There are currently 31,000 priests in our times, half. And 15,000 of them are over 70 years old within four years of retirement. It was the greatest breakdown of the Catholic faith, especially in our country, that we've ever seen. And this is a problem. This is something we have to be aware of. It's something we have to talk about. It's why we need to pray for priests, because without priests, the Catholic Church fails. We see that over and over again in our history. Because what immediately leads from a loss of priests? A loss of Christ's presence in the Eucharist. So as soon as the priesthood is broken down, our faith in the Eucharist is broken down. And that's what happened to Father Martin Luther. He lost faith in his own priesthood, and then he lost faith in the Eucharist. I'd like to end with a quote from The Cure of Ours. He's the patron saint of priests. His uh, heart is incorrupt. And I think just as a means of trying to bless our country, the Pope has sent his heart to be uh, on a pilgrimage around. So some of the people actually got to go see it in um, Spokane when it came through. But it's incorrupt and never decomposed. And he's a man who he fasted, he prayed, he spoke the truth, and he himself was attacked by the devil many times. pilgrims came from all over in this little town called ours just to visit him. But this was a sermon he once gave on the priesthood, and I'll just read half of it. When people want to destroy religion, they begin by attacking the priest. For when there is no priest, there is no sacrifice. And when there is no sacrifice, there is no longer religion. Oh, how great is the priest! If he realized what he is, he would die. Not out of fear, but out of love. For God himself obeys the priest. He utters a few words and the Lord descends from heaven at his voice to be contained within a small white host. Without the sacrament of holy orders, we would not have the Lord in our presence. Who put him there in the tabernacle? The priest. Who welcomed your soul at the beginning of life? The priest. Who feeds your soul and gives it strength? For the journey to the next life. The priest. Who will prepare it to appear before God. Bathing it one last time. In the blood of Jesus Christ through confession. The priest. Always the priest. Go to confession to the blessed virgin. Or to an angel. Will they absolve you? No. Will they give you the body and blood of our Lord? No, for this alone belongs to the office of the priest, and only in heaven will he fully realize what he is. Lastly, we must always remember that the priest is nothing in himself. God calls the lowest, those who are nothing in the world, to call them to himself and put them at his service. The priest has no power to save anybody. He only has what he receives from Jesus Christ, and he is only as good of a tool as he allows himself to be an instrument for Jesus Christ, for the people. He exists from God for others, never for himself. Lastly, as the Eucharist and the priesthood are so intertwined together, St. Paul said in the second reading, whoever eats the bread and drinks the cup of the Lord unworthily will have to answer for the body and blood of the Lord. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. The Eucharist is meant to give us life. But it can only give us as much life as we have faith in it. That's why now more than ever, we need to revive our faith in the, in the presence of Christ in the Eucharist and the grace of the priesthood in our church. Because without that, the Catholic Church in America will continue to be in jeopardy. So I ask you as we go forward in this night, Carry your priests in your heart. Pray for the priests of our diocese. Honor Christ in the Eucharist. Go to confession and pray for the salvation of the priests before you. God bless you.